Welcome to the first ever edition of the Coach's Corner Podcast with Cody Olson. I've always wanted to do this, so I'm very excited to be doing so. With this being my first ever podcast to host, I'm sure there will be some tweaks that need to be made, so feel free to give me some feedback as I want for this to be a tool for all coaches and players to learn from. Today I have a very special guest in Coach James Donahue. He currently serves as the hitting and infield coach at MUW. I've per- personally witnessed the awesome job he did this year, and I'm fired up to have him on. And I'm very excited to share it with you guys today. What's up, Coach? What's going on, Coach? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, obviously, you know, the coronavirus ended our season early, but, um, you know, it's good that we're able to find ways to still kind of hopefully connect and hopefully help uh, help some coaches out. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of devastating that everybody's season has come to an end, but um, always trying to look for ways to improve. Um, I think this is a great tool. I'm glad you started doing this podcast. And um, not only will it reach our players and our coaching community, but as um, as a nation or, or even as around the globe as well. No doubt, man. So uh, let's get into this. So first thing that um, kind of, you know, I want you to talk to the audience about is uh, your journey in baseball. Basically, you know, what, what kind of player you were, where you played, college ball, high school ball, and uh, kind of how you got to the W. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share that. Um, so I, I'm from New Jersey. I grew up in Richard Park, New Jersey, a little small town. Um, and, and I played baseball at Richard Park High School. Um, you know, I was a smaller guy. I was very undersized. And I didn't really get good at baseball until I made it my priority. Um, probably my junior year when I really started loving the game and loving thing, everything about the game and loving the people of the game and loving the coaches. So once I kind of found that, that, that passion I had for the game, that's when I started improving myself and made a priority. Um, I was a junior, and, you know, I didn't even play varsity much until the seniors when I finally got my starting role. Um, you know, after high school, not very highly recruited, 5'7", 160, 165 at most. Um, average kind of player. Could really pick it, though. Bat was average. So, I, you know, had an opportunity to walk on into school um, in Pennsylvania and didn't turn out my way. Got cut, you know, unfortunately. Um, but I needed the game life, so... I moved back home to New Jersey, to Richfield Park, and I honestly, I walked out of junior college here, Burton Community College, head coach Stephen Mims are doing pretty good things right now. Um, but here's the interesting part of that story is when I walked on, um, I just kept showing up every day, you know, during, during the trial, during their practice, and I didn't get, you know, I didn't get an I just kept showing up. He didn't tell me to, to stop coming. He didn't tell me I made the team. Um, so I just kept coming and working hard and trying to trying to impress, pre- put an impression on the players and the coaches. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, coach hands me, you know, he hands me my fitted hat. Um, I'm a college baseball player. That's when, that's when the time started to work. From my freshman to sophomore year, I really got into the weight room, really, you know, really went hard in the weight room. I fell in love with the weight room every day. Um, and that really ultimately helped me to become, you know, a great player my sophomore year. And, you know, I won the gold glove award, you know, NJCAA Rawlings. Shout out to Rawlings for the nice gold glove that's actually sitting in my room right now. Um, one of my prized possessions, but that was, that was all due to coach Mims and believing in me and believing, 
you know, what kind of tools I had in developing my skill. Um, so after, after Bergen, after, you know, that great year in 2014, I had an opportunity to go play division two baseball, um, at Queens college. Um, didn't, you know, it didn't pan out well, but I, you know, I appreciate the opportunity I've had from, from all the coaches there. Um, you know, another, you know, they took a shot at me and, you know, I tried my best, but ultimately, you know, it didn't go in my favor. So, you know, after college baseball, I didn't know what to do, man. I, I was a bus boy for a little bit. Um, in the summer, I was kind of painting curbs. Um, and then, you know, my uncle asked me, would you want to coach, you know, a younger, you know, coach like eight, nine, ten-year-olds? I said, sure, why not? And I started teaching a lot with those kids, and they started, you know, kind of comprehending and understanding what, you know, I was putting down, and they were picking it up, and I finally got that same feeling back when I played that, you know, maybe coaching is for me. Maybe I can make a career out of it. You know, after coaching young kids, I went into high school, um, Indian Hills High School in Oakland, New Jersey. That went really well. I was a teacher aide there, coached football as well. Um, not really a big football guy, but I, you know, I could throw a ball really well. So I was kind of, I kind of helped the quarterbacks and that was really it. And then I wanted to go college level, man. And I just applied all over the country, um, you know, from East coast to West coast, North, South. And, you know, I was blessed to, you know, come in terms with, you know, coach Wolf at the W and I get to meet you and we've learned football and, You've honestly become one of my, you know, best friends, you know, in, in the coaching world and even in life. So, um, so that's my story. Um, you know, coach, we want to hear from you as well. So what's going on with you, man? Yeah, I mean, uh, so obviously uh, I grew up here right here in uh, Caledonia, Mississippi, which is, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes north of Columbus. Um, you know, I would say that I was kind of, I was never just the most talented player ever. I had to grit and fight for everything I had. And, you know, I had, I had a pretty – ended up having a pretty good high school career and um, still didn't have a lot of offers just because I didn't have the measurables. Um, but uh, finally, uh, East Mississippi gave me a chance. And, you know, I never really had, like um, – I never really put up big numbers in college. But, man, it was some of the most fun years of my life, you know, getting to be on um, – a championship team at East Mississippi. We won the conference for the first time in, in almost 20 years. And then for the next year, we went to the regionals for the first time in, in 20 or so years. So, I mean, they were, they were some of the best years of my life. And, and really and truly, I knew that um, – I'm a guy that's pretty honest with myself, and I knew that I was never going to be a Division One player or, or uh, be a pro player by any means. So, I used those two years to try to help me become a better coach um, because I knew that I wanted to go into coaching. And, and, I, and I would ask, you know, our pitching coach questions. I, would, I was a pitcher only at that level uh, in college, but I would ask our hitting coach questions all the time. And, and uh, it really, I feel like it really helped me um, go into uh, coaching a little bit more prepared because I, I feel like a lot of the times guys, you know, are, are so wrapped up in their playing career, which is great. But, you know, I was already looking two and three years down the road, and I think that helped me. Um, and so then I went to Mississippi State just as a student only, and then uh, actually uh, one of our college coaches went to Startful Academy for the year um, and uh, told me I could uh, come help build my resume out there. So I just 
helped in any way he needed me. Um, and then I stayed on the year after with another one of my close friends. Um, as he became the head coach, and we had two awesome seasons there. And then I graduated college, and I was looking all over the state for jobs and actually ended up coaching in Alabama at a, a small school called Seligent. Met some awesome people over there, uh, just great, great kids, great parents. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, then uh, something that I'd always wanted to do was coach college ball, and Coach Wolf gave me that opportunity, and, man, I jumped. And, uh, man, it's been two great years at the W, although the, this year uh, obviously got cut short. But, you know, man, it just wherever I've been, man, I've met great, great people, and uh, you're definitely one of them. And it's just amazing. Uh, and this leads into our next question is, what does this game mean to you? It's just amazing that um, two people from, you know, 15 hours away uh, can become such great friends because it's oh, 100% absolutely you know <clears throat> you, you tend to run into people because we all we all have the same passion we all have the same pride we all have the same same goal at the end and it's not only to you know win ball games but it's also to grow and develop the, the young men we come across and that's something I really kind of fell in love with absolutely man um, and, and, and like I tell our guys all the time is in a few years, the guys around you, they're not going to necessarily remember you by your stats and how good you were. They're going to remember uh, the other things about you. And, man, like, even though I haven't gotten to see a lot of the guys I played with in college as often as I would like to, I still talk to them, to some of them. And, man, they're still my brothers. They always will be. And, and, and I hope that um the guys that play for us realize that that's really the most important thing that the, the friendships and the the bonds you make in, in these kind of in these kind right. of uh, years right uh there's one thing you know where we had our our fall our fall world series and we you know coach wolf had his own team we get to draft the team you had your own team and um you know i drafted my own team and i told i told the guys before we started that little world series i said um if 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 you guys don't take one piece of information from me. I want you to just take this one thing that the game right now means so much more than the wins and losses. You're, you're not going to remember, you know, how many errors you made or how many, you know, walk-off hits you had or how many doubles. You're going to remember the times on the bus, the times in a restaurant, and the times, you know, waking up early to, you know, go to practice and, and goofing around with your, your buddies. Like, that's, that's what you're really going to remember. You know, a year or two, you'll remember your plays and the things that you've done, but you know, the friendships you make and the brotherhood you, you kind of, you kind of invest in. That's, that's what it's all about. Absolutely, man. Um, my next question for you, and you kind of hit on this all already was when, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? Uh, so if, you know, if there was this kind of thing in, with baseball, whether it was a lifestyle of it, the clothes, I, the brands I'd wear, you know, even the fighting, there was always something that baseball that always had something, you know, it had a place in my heart, and once I started, you know, becoming good at baseball and, and um, starting to really, like, learn the game and um, the things that came with it, I got this kind of – I like to say it like, like euphoric or it's like, it's like my high. It's like my drug, and there was no other there – there was nothing that could do the same thing. And I got that kind of feeling, you know, high school. But then when I was at Bergen, I just remember, you know, one particular moment where I was just taking batting practice and – I was at, at, you know, we were 
I was taking ground balls there in BP, and I just like looked to my left, looked to my right, and saw two of my best friends. You know, my best friend Dan at short, and one of my other friends Mike. I can't believe like this is real life. Like I, it was like an outer body experience. So, so once once I was done playing, I didn't. I wanted to find that again. I just didn't find it. So, I got that same feeling when the kids and the players were were performing things that, you know, I invested in and I taught them. And, you know, obviously if you're coaching young kids, they're not going to get it one, two, maybe not even the tenth time. But that that one time they do things right, that one moment it's like, you know, it was another outer by experience. Like this is this is awesome. This is great. And I found myself just being on the diamond. Anything baseball related from the clothes I wear, it I was just so invested in the game. And that's why, you know, that's why I'm coaching and I want to make, you know, a living out of it. Absolutely, man. And, um, you know, I'm one of the few people who I didn't go to college and I didn't change my major three or four times. I, I knew that I, I was going to be a coach when I was in eighth or ninth grade, man. I just knew that there's no way that um, I, I, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. And, man, I'm I'm so glad that I chose this pathway because it's very – it's tough at times, but it's very, very rewarding. Yes, it's a very uh, rewarding profession that – Especially you, you go through the grind a little bit too. You, you know, you go through the grind. You gotta, you know, make things happen, and you gotta, you know, stay up late hours. And then it's so rewarding when when things finally click. Absolutely, man. So, so some of the the next question I want to ask you is, what are some absolutes that you have to have in the program you're coaching? So, if you're if you're shaping your program's identity, what what do you want it to be about? So the things I've I've written down are basically the things that we we kind of have in our program at the W. But um, the bullet points I make that they really don't have to do with anything skill wise, um, because at any level you go to, you're gonna have you're gonna have the skill, you're gonna have some talent, some kind of talent. But um, number one for me is hustle and combined with energy. Now I know not every guy or every player or every coach is you know high energy, loud, but Hustle is also a type of energy. So I always want to see guys running to, you know, fill up the cooler or guys running down the line or guys hustling to, you know, help the coach carry the bats and his fungo. Um, if, if that's incorporating a program, that's, that's going to go a long way. So that energy and hustle kind of combine with that. And um, the next, next important thing is to compete. You have to compete. You have to have an awareness that you need to win. You need to be the best version of yourself and you need to help your teammates be the best version of yourself. So, cause when you have, when you have a competitive nature in your program, you're not just competing, you know, um, on the field, you're competing in the classroom, you're competing against the, uh, you know, you're competing against students in your class that, you know, you want to be, have the best uh, grade in, in that class, or um, you want to be the fastest man at the team. You always want to have that competitive edge and that's only going to help you, um, in the long run as well, remember, we, we talk about life after baseball. Um, if you have that competitive nature, no matter what you do, I think you're going to be successful. So that's that's an absolute right there. Um, you know, we're, we live in, you know, we live in an era where it's kind of me and I hate to say me generation, but it's rare that you find guys that now when you have guys that support each other and root for each other, no matter if you're the backup or you're the starter or third string or bullpen catcher, if you're rooting for your team and you're rooting for each other, that's going to go a long, long way. And that's how championship teams succeed. 
Um, and the last thing is uh, you want to do the right things on and off the field, um, whether that's, you know, helping your parents with groceries or um, helping your teacher, you know, pick her papers up off the floor and um, picking up the trash on the ground and something, you know, see do. But I, I think that's uh, a testament to, you know, a testament to your, yourself as a player is how you carry yourself off the field. Yeah, absolutely. You, to be honest with you, you basically, you basically took a lot of my list. But I mean, there's no coincidence in that. I mean, you have talked about this over and over and over of kind of what we want our programs to be about. And um, you know, I, obviously, you have very, very similar answers to me. Uh, so one thing you know that I would add is, and it kind of goes to your last point, is that, and you've heard me talk about this, is the servant leadership. And uh, I, I think this is where our team grew the most. Um, from maybe from the fall to to when our season was canceled is man we when we got there in the fall it felt like you know we had to say hey guys go rake um, the plate go do this go do that but by the end of the by the end of the time by the end of the year we had guys just going and doing it they saw a job needed to get done and they just went and did it and and I think that's where our team really grew and, and I think that's something that you know, is going to be beneficial to them in their jobs one day because your boss isn't going to want to have to tell you everything that, that that he wants you to get done. Sometimes you just got to see that a job needs to get done and you got to go do it. And that's one thing that I was really proud of our guys. And I, and obviously you got to have, you got to have energy in everything you do. I think energy is, is the number one thing in your program. If, if people don't, want to be out there, then they're not going to – odds are they're not going to perform at the level that you want them to perform at. And that goes back to the coaching too, you know. We've all played um, in programs that are at some point where, you know, the coaches had no energy or um, – and, it's, and it kind of reflects on the team and the team tends to – those kind of teams tend to lack energy as well. Absolutely. Energy, energy is very contagious. No doubt, man. And and I love what you said. And and to be honest with you, that's the thing that I learned the most when I was in college, man, it's it's not about you. It's it's about the success of the team, you know, and if the guy in front of you at your position's better, root for him to do the best job he can because at the end of the day that's what's gonna help us win the game. And uh good teams, you know, re- it requires sacrifice. And if, if it requires me not playing for us to win a championship then then you should be all in for that, you know. I mean, I know everybody wants to play and everybody works as hard as they can to play, but at the end of the day, the team becomes yes, yes. comes and it, me. And it's easy to root for guys when it, they're doing the right thing. So, for example, let's say, you know, I'm playing, you know, second base and the guy ahead of me is better, but he's also a, a really good dude on the field and off the field. Uh, he does everything right in the classroom. It's easier to root for a guy like that instead of the guy ahead of me, you know, is not really nice to me, you know, thinks he's all that and he doesn't get along with players. And it, it's tough to root for a guy. But even though you're 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 a backup to somebody that's really nice and a good person, it's it's easier to root for a guy like that. Absolutely, man. And um, and, and that's that's just life in general. And and, and you see when you. When you really break it down, man, baseball is a lot like life, and 
And that's one thing that I think our coaching staff really tried to harp on our players this year is um, the lessons you can learn in this game, man, are going to help you for a long, long time. Yes, absolutely, 100%. So so the next question I would ask you is how would you describe – I love this question. I'm not, you know, asked this much. Uh, So when you presented me with this question, I was kind of hyped up. Uh, Again, it goes back to, you know, E – energy the e-word man people throw it around loosely but if if you really take pride and passion in being the most energetic coach out there or guy out there or or you know businessman out there um people are going to buy into that role and i even if i don't have the energy that day because you know the paper we're doing game plans but somehow some way you're going to have to find that and even if it you know it it, you got to find it so I really base my coaching style off energy, off not being the loudest in the room, but coming just coming off a little bit loud because, um, you know, in a fun, in a fun, uh, excited, you know, happy way. I think I think that's that's what kids kind of need, no matter if it's college, high school or eight year olds. Um, they see you can see a coach smile. They see him happy. I think that's going to contribute to the to how they go about their practice. Um, I, I, I'm very caring. I've heard a bunch of coaches say it's not how much you know, it's how much you care. And that, that whole truth on so many levels. Uh, I, you know, when I first came to, you know, you know, the W, you know, I wanted, I wanted to let the players know how much you care. I don't, I don't want to start throwing around any kind of big terms of, of hitting and infield because then I would lose them. But I just want to show them that I'm caring and I'm down to earth and um, I'm, I'll help them, you know, with their homework or I'll help them, you know, if a family issue is going, say homework, but I can't really do that. But I would help them any kind of issue they had on the field, off the field. I'll be there for them. And I'm relatable. I, I want to kind of say I'm forever young. I want to, you know, live forever. But um, I like all pop culture things. And I, I think if you, if you relate to players, um, they're going to listen even more. And when you have that kind of relationship, like, you know, we've had with our players where you can kind of kid with them and joke with them. But. They need to know you're serious sometimes too, and once you have that line drawn with your players, I think that's gonna gonna set off success as well. But I I like to talk about you know things that are going on in Instagram or things that are going on Twitter. Or, you know, who's the new singer, especially the new you know country singers. When I moved from New Jersey to uh, the W, I want to find out what the, the, those guys like. So I want to be as relatable as possible. Absolutely, man. And one one thing I have to commend you on is your energy, man. You know, a lot of people say it, but you really live it out every day. And, you know, it's to the point where, like, I'm like, man, does this guy ever have a bad day? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if – I mean, it, and, and that's what energy – and that's what we preach to our guys is, man, even if you do have a bad day when you get out on the baseball field, that's your time to have some fun and really bring out the energy, even if you are having a bad day day and i'm telling you man you really one thing one thing you know we're going you know kind of back and forth here but the one thing i do commend you on is is how you carry yourself as a coach as well man and your style coaching i mean i learned a lot from you because you you spent one year with the players and the things you do there's little tips and tricks i kind of learned from you and i mean you and i would talk for hours and hours text one o'clock in the morning just about the game and stuff like that but um i've learned a lot from you about your knowledge of the game um, like I, you know, I had some kind of, you know, I, I like to teach the skill work, but 
as far as like controlling the entire game, I really, I really like commend you on that. That was, that was something I, you know, I learned a lot from you in that, that short amount of time we had this season. Yeah. You know, um, and that's one great thing about, you know, I've played for some awesome, awesome coaches and, and, and like I was saying earlier, I wanted to use that to my advantage. So when I, you know, when we were playing, when I was a player, if I heard something that I really liked from the coach at practice, I, I had this notebook and I would go right in the notebook, what I liked, you know, um, just, just that kind of stuff. And, and the great thing is we have, um, and we'll get into this more later, but we have so many resources that, that are available to us today that weren't necessarily available to coaches 20 and 30 years ago. And, and some of it's good and some of it's bad. And that's kind of up to you to decide, but, um, you know, I, I'm a guy who I feel like if you ever think that you have it all figured out, somebody's going to pass you. So I'm always trying to learn more, even if it, even if I don't agree with some of the stuff that people are teaching, I want to hear them speak on it because I feel like it helps me grow as a coach, um, to know what other people are yes, doing. Yes, sir. Well. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. Love it. But, you know, if I, if I were to describe my style of coaching as, number one, I just am who I am, you know. I'm not going um, to try to be you, and you're not – I mean, that's – if I had some advice for coaches, be who you are, man. And, and not saying that you can't um, improve in certain areas, but be who you are. And, and uh, one of the things that I, I would say I pride myself on the most on is – being honest with the players, but also building them up, you know. Um, don't lie to them and, and, and give them false hope about certain things. But also understand that, man, this is a tough, tough game. and A lot of these guys beat themselves up, and, and you really got to – you have to uh, give these guys some confidence, you know. Um, you know, especially when things are going bad, just – you got to be able to feed them confidence because the confident player is the one that's going to perform the best. And uh, that that's kind of one of the things I would say I would describe my coaching style. And another is a thing me and you always talk about is I want to be a coach that guys that I would have enjoyed to play for. And, you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that I want to be their friend, but I want to be a guy who they, they're like, man, like if I played for me, what I've said, hey, that coach has my back. That coach has given me everything he's got. That coach trusts me. You know, that coach cares about me. And I, and I think that if, if, if you really ask yourself that question and, and you really evaluate, I think that's a great, great question is, would I have enjoyed playing for myself? What, do I think I would have gotten better as a player playing for myself? And that's what I, I don't, I'm not perfect in it. Um, obviously we all make mistakes, but that's what I, it's, it's ultimately like the overall philosophy, you know, we'd like to have is, you know, what I have enjoyed playing for myself. I think that's a great point. And, um, I just, and every coach would probably take that with them and kind of run with that. Yeah. And just like, like I said, everybody's different, you know, you still, they're, even though people say it can't happen, there are still coaches who are really intense guys that, um, 
and it works for them, but that's who they are. If I tried to be one of those guys who's all up in your face, it would not work for me because that's not who I am, you know. And, and just like if I, I, I think that you got to be who you are for you to be successful. I, I would you, would you agree, agree with that? There, there's been times where when I was, you know, an instructor before I came to the W that I was trying to be someone I saw on Twitter because he, he had – these many followers, you know, 30,000 followers. And then one time I just kind of like said something like crazy, ridiculous. And I said, this isn't me. This isn't, you know, this isn't a kid from New Jersey who grew up in a small town. This is, this is outside of Robert's zone. So I started, um, you know, just being myself again. And I was having a conversation with one of my friends last or two nights ago about, um, about just your style and being yourself. And he said, the realest thing you can do, you know, James, is just be yourself and be who you are, be who you are, and people will will commend you for that, and people will like that. You don't want you don't want to be fake to anybody. Absolutely, man. So then that kind of leads us into our uh, next question: Is what's one area you feel like you've really grown as a coach? Well, it's it's started? almost like a a geography of me moving down south um has helped me grow a lot. Because things, you know, I say things I say to guys in New Jersey, it doesn't always relate to guys, you know, in Mississippi. So I've learned how to um, communicate a lot better. I've learned how to explain things slower. I've learned how to talk slower. Um, if a guy doesn't really understand something, I can try and rephrase it a couple of different ways. Um, that kind of happened a bunch of times this this fall, and I had to go back to you know go back to the drawing board. How can I make this easier for this guy to understand compared to you know, another guy. So I've really gotten better at that. I mean, I'm still working at it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say I'm the best at it. I'm not the best communicator there is, but I let, I let the players know that I understand something. I don't, I don't care if you ask me a question. I don't have, I want us to figure this out. So I've, I've, I've done, um, I've done some, you know, some things where I slowed my speech down and and more visuals for the guys so they understand things. So that was one part that helped me and um, kind of touched on this, just simplifying everything else. Like when I came into the fall, I had all these things we're going to do as hitters, probably like 30 bullet points. And then by the end of the fall, I only needed five of those things. So I really got to feel your players. Now, let's say, you know, next year we have a, you know, a freshman class where they're taught a little bit bit differently i'll guys and um and you know we'll find our identity as a team but you don't need all these these crazy bullet points and these lists of things you just got to keep it simple once you simplify things it's it's a lot easier it's a lot more enjoyable and then uh oh yeah go ahead absolutely um honestly i was gonna say that i've gotten way better um at that as well as when I first got in, you know, I'm, I admit that, you know, when I first came into coaching, I, I would say that I had kind of a cookie cutter approach. Hey man, you got to do this. Hey man, you got to do that. And your pitching mechanics, your catching mechanics. Um, Cause you know, th- those are the two that I've kind of always coached. And I would say now four or five years later, I'm much, much more an individualized coach as far as what works best for that player is what we're going to do, not necessarily um, a cookie-cutter approach because I feel like every guy's a little different. And 
um, we want to allow them to just be an yeah, athlete. for sure. And you got to you kind of look at your personnel. Like, for let's say, for example, any kind of team, you have you know have you have a, a nursing major who's you know he's into biology and he, and he thinks a little different than you know uh, a guy who's doing uh, he's going to be a history teacher. So that and way that way they learn the way they think that's also something to think about like if if you're in the nursing program or you have a player that you know wants to be a doctor you in different terms and if a history teacher and talk to that history teacher in different terms that you would speak to um assume to be a doctor so i i think that is that has helped too you got to really understand your player's background absolutely and um you know i i a thing that I have learned from you, because I mean, I like we said, we we always try to learn from each other is the visuals. I never really thought of of the way that you teach it sometimes until I until you got here this fall. So you know, in the past, where I might have said, "Hey, man, really, really, really get some extension right here to a, a pitcher." Now, sometimes I'm saying, "Hey, throw it to his shoe top." And, and it really feels like sometimes for some guys that that seems to work better than um, using any mechanical languages. Just to oh yes, a hundred percent. They we talk about internal external cues that you know sound like big words, and that's not the kind of coach I am. But you know, if you really you know go into depth and study like external and internal cues, it helps. It helps kids because just like in school, kids are visual, kids are auditory learners. Um, you know, kids are oral learners, so same thing with baseball. You give them a cue, and I mean, I mean, you. I've watched you with the pictures, giving them different cues, and it was just spot on and spotting up. So that was cool to see. Yeah, and and the other the other spot that I would say that I've really grown as a coach is when I when I first came into this, man, I thought it was all about rings, winning championships, and all that. I mean, and yes. Obviously, we are very, very, very competitive, and I want to win every time I take the field. But, and like I've heard, and you've heard many coaches say, and, and it really hit me one time, is at the end of the day, man, it's all about helping these guys grow and develop as men, baseball players, students, and, and all aspects of their life. And I believe if you do that, the winning and the championships will come as a, no, as a agree, byproduct of that. Agree, agree, agree. That is that is perfect. I think all coaches fall into that. It's it's all you gotta win, gotta win, gotta win. Well, you don't give them the guideline or the path to or how to win. But if you set up those examples, you set up how to carry yourself, that that leads to winning. Like Dabo Sweeney in his press conference, it'll he never when he when they won the national champion, he never talked about the ring or the championship. It was just the things that you should do on a daily basis. And suppose he, you know, wins the national title, but um, yeah, you and I, you know, we agree on everything and we have the same kind of idea with things. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and I keep thinking of more and more things where I've really grown as a coach. And, and, you know, another thing is, man, when I first got into this, I used to really, really study the opponent. And and I still study the opponent, but I used to worry, man, hey, are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? And, and now I've gotten to the point where I really feel like in the game of baseball, man, especially being at the smaller level, that would be different if we were at the high college level or 
and where we have all this data, yeah, that, that would be beneficial. But at the small college and even high school levels, I think it's really more important to focus on you executing your game plan, you executing what you do best, and not worrying about your opponent. You just play the game of baseball. Yes, yes. Uh, the individual skill work, right? There's Catching the ball, throwing the ball, and hitting the ball happen more than, you know, a rundown or 15 first and third plays you ran or this this kind of bunk coverage you had. Um, that was something I think I think as a whole that you and I can definitely agree on is we the focus of the skill. Catch, throw, pitch, hit. Would you agree? Absolutely, man. Um, and, you know, maybe when I first got into this, I, I focused way too much on bunt defense and um, first and third defense. And while that's all important, uh, I heard somebody at the ABCA say something along the lines of, you need your training economy needs to match the game economy. And, that, and that's just a fancy way of saying you need to practice most what happens the most in the games. And I think that that's something that's really, really changed in the way that I like for practice to be ran is, man, we're going to practice. Yes, and I see you do that with the catchers, doing a great job with that. Receiving the ball, you know, almost self-practice, but that's that's what happens in the game. You're going to the most as a catcher. But, you know, you're going to do that more than you throw down the, you know, throw down a second, throw down a third, bunt, block. You're going to receive the ball, and you guys did a great job with that, and it, and it you know, pay dividends. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I see you doing things with the infielders and, and we're not going to get much in the infield today. I'll have you back on at, at another point and let you, we're gonna, well, I want to dedicate a whole show to just talking the infield with you, but um, I see you doing the same thing with the infielders. You're, you're a very high level teacher of, of what they need to do, and, and it's really helped our guys. And and one thing, too, that I want to add to where, where I think me and I think I've heard you talk about it in the past is where we've really grown as coaches is yes. allowing yes, our players to play free. We always talk about, guys, play like you're playing wiffle ball in the backyard where you're just relaxed, having fun, and, and trust what you've done in practice Trust that in the game yes, time, man. I can let fly, man. Um, you you write you want to write that down. You know, every I would write that down every day. I don't care if you're eight or you're 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 twenty four year old grad transfer. Um, you play this game like you were like you were in the backyard. The game doesn't change. Um, it just gets a little faster, but and the field's gonna get bigger. But nothing nothing really changes other than you you being. You know, you're happy in your backyard, you know, running around with your, your buddies. I think I think once guys start to understand that, the game um, open free and more fun. That's awesome, man. That's good stuff. Uh, the other question I want to add to this is what, what did oh, you man. not know about coaching uh, when you were a this player? Is, this probably hit me probably three years into coaching that – Coaches have such a tough decision to make. It is really, especially coaches that have a big car and they care for everybody. It is so hard to make a decision, especially to the kid that he does all the right things, but he's just not field. And, you know, it hasn't happened much to me as a coach yet. Um, but 
that is that is so tough because I understand that things didn't go my way as a player in college, and you know, um, and I sat the bench, and I, you know, I, I thought my was all the right things and very respectful to his elders, and but out, you know, being sat, you, you think it's on the coach, and it's not. It's not. It's just <laughs> the team needs this kind of player to produce and help the team, you know, ultimately win a ball game. That has been the toughest, toughest, toughest thing as a coach. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, when you're when you're a player, you feel like you work so hard, you've earned that right and opportunity. But man, it, it is the coach's job to play the the people that he believes and the coaching staff believes are the are the best players to win. And and I don't I don't think that I've ever played for and you've ever played for any coach who necessarily played favorites I think that you might have felt that way when you're playing but you know at the end of the day when you a few years down the road you realize man I think they were just playing the ones that they truly believe yeah gave us the best chance that, to win that uh I've realized now and um it's it's such a tough tough decision and you know there's you know obviously there's stuff that happens off the field that coaches aren't aware of and then when they see you know, a guy that doesn't do the right thing in the starting lineup. We don't know that, but some of the kids might know that. That's also tough. And when you're a player and you go to a player to be a coach, you 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 understand things. We you know we weren't born yesterday, and we it's it's that's one of the toughest things as a coach. And sometimes you know you you, you lose sleep at night because you you don't know if that's the right decision. But hey, we're in this profession. And, you know, days days go on and life goes on. Absolutely, man. And uh, the other thing I would add to that is I really, truly did not believe or <laughs> understand how much paperwork you had to do as a coach, how much administrative work. And I honestly believe that had I understood that when I was a player, I would have respected it. Like, I mean, I had total respect for all the coaches I ever played for, but I never truly understood even how much they were doing. Yeah, you, like you, you told me as a high school coach, you, you – as a head high school coach, you had to take care of the vans and the fundraising. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know about that stuff either until you and Coach Wolf were telling me about it. There is so much more behind the scenes stuff as a head coach than just, you know, on the field. Absolutely. So uh, here, here's kind of what uh, I would say your specialty is. So we've talked a lot about, you know, how we want to, how we want our guys to grow, you know, how we want to grow, how we have grown. But now let's kind of dive into um, the hitting aspect of the game and kind of, uh, you know, you have an interesting deal where you were an offensive, you were a hitting instructor, um, and you talked to, to me about this several times, and and now you've changed transitioned more to a hitting coach. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that ain't that much different. But you have two completely different jobs. Yeah, this is a, this is a point and a topic that I think um, it needs to be said a lot more than it actually is. You know, so as a young, kind of a young hitting instructor, um, you think you know everything, right? You, you, um, you get it, you know, a 15-year-old kid coming in and um, you're working one-on-one with him. He's doing really well in the cage. And he's like, coach, but, you know, my, my – 
high school coach doesn't, you know, he doesn't want me to do this. And I, you know, as a young naive, you say, ah, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but you know, then you get to, you get to, um, where you're actually hitting coach of, you know, 20 plus guys, you can't have that intimate one-on-one, um, time with them. So it is, it is, it has opened my eyes a lot more and I've become so much more humble in that a hitting coach and a hitting, um, a hitting instructor are two totally different things. Um, one of my friends mentioned this to me the other day. If, if I am a hitting instructor um, for just one kid, it, I really don't – let's not per se. like I don't care if the team wins 50 games or loses 50 games because I just care about that particular hitter. Now you go on the, the opposite side of a hitting coach um, you you want that full range of of guys that always doing the right thing and you want to win baseball games. So it has become a part where hitting instructors and hitting coaches need to coexist. And as a I guess an offensive coach for the W, um, I broke it down into three different parts where you have to be a hitting you know hitting uh, mechanic coach. You have to teach the mechanics of the swing and you know how the body works and um, how do you turn your hips and how do you get your hands inside the ball and what's going to work? That's the mechanic side. Then, then you have your hitting approach. Um, what are we going to do with runners on? Are we going to hit and run here? Um, what are you looking for in a pitcher? What are his tendencies? And then you have the third part is how do you score runs? Stealing bases, um, delayed steals, um, bunt, bunt and run, bunt them over, uh, first and thirds let's get a run here so that has all changed and that has also helped me become one of uh, a a more well-rounded hitting um mindset but hitting coaches and hitting instructors they need they need to coexist there has to be that even common ground absolutely And, and you know i think hitting instructors do a great job um, you know, and I'm not meaning to sound negative towards him because I'm not. I believe that a lot of them do an outstanding job of teaching the swing. But I would say hitting instructors lean more towards all mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. Are they really teaching an approach? Whereas your job as a hitting coach is you're all about, I mean, I mean, you've talked about this. Is Sometimes I think mechanics are a little overrated. I mean, they're, they're, you got to have them. But if you look like you can't be one dimensional in your swing, you can't only uh, be able to hit when you have the perfect swing. Because if you look, man, a lot of the guys, a lot of the hits, oh no, we're gonna have, they're not always going to be um, the perfect swing. Compared to the college level, to the pro level, to the high school level, um, you you have you have athletes, right? And you kind of let those athletes um, be free, but you also want to. Not taking trouble, you want to also give them good information that's going to help the swing, you know, produce a hard hit ball. But at the end of the day, that there's there's a mindset that has to go into offense where you you dig in the box, you look at the pitcher, and it's going to beat you right now. Um, you know, hitting instructors, you know, they do a good job of you know that as well. But when it comes to when it comes to a game time, listen, the hitting instructor isn't there every single day with you. He's there with you an hour um, a day or, or two hours a day. But I see the guys every single day. And then, you know, when I see them every day, I know what they're doing wrong. And I see them, they don't, you know, 
they see video of hitting instructor, but um, it, it's just so much. And now, again, there's hitting instructors that are amazing, and they do coexist with coaches. But um, it, there's got to be that line, and I think, I think people are doing a better job of that. Absolutely, and, and and you know I I didn't I didn't want to sound negative towards hitting instructors because like I said I think many of them do a great job but at the end of the day like you many you talk about this all the time is we can't be one dimensional and a lot of those hitting instructors um and their sessions which is perfectly fine because that's what they're getting paid to do is they are probably doing whatever they can to help those. Um, players succeed in those cage sessions, on-field BP sessions, whatever, where your job is a hitting coach is, you know, we roll the machines out there and and the guys are going to fail and they hate it. And, and, you know, sometimes they get frustrated. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's, you know, I do have to give my, my cousin um, a shout out here because I've learned a lot and he's an hitting instructor, but he's also a coach as well at the high school level. And he, and we've had many talks about that, but I've also sat in a cage next to him and we all both give lessons and um, he's put the machine on and he, there's high fail rate of the players, but he does a good job of explaining to them why they need to see these things. So um, I have to give credit to him because he's helped me a lot. Absolutely. And, you know, those are the kind of hitting instructors that I think do an outstanding job of, Hey, you know, um, because we've all seen the ones who who um honestly are just doing it for a check and they just sit there and throw lollipop bp in there for an hour and uh little johnny's happy and really feels like he has just accomplished so much because of he hit really well off that but in 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 reality that's right. there right. there is a place for that but that's not really the way this game works but uh, so so let's dive. You know, let's dive into this. Uh, what is your philosophy? I do. What, what a machine is good for is, is, is constant velocity. Um, you can't unless you have a, a, a coach that can throw eighty-five miles an hour um, five hundred times at practice. Then then you're okay. But no coach can do that. I mean, I've yet to see one. But um, you know, I I like to say I throw really good batting practice, but I'm not going to, I can't dial it back. I have a, you know, water, water gun arm, but the machine, the machine also helps guys. Um, they have to be challenged, man. And I, I say this a lot that you need to be challenged in order to get better. Cause if you're playing at the same rate, the same pace, yeah, you might hit 300, but why not, why not hit 350 or, or why not hit, you know, double digit home runs or why not hit that double digit doubles? So I, I think the machine has helped us. And now, for some guys, it, it, it might not be beneficial because the way their timing is, and, and that's okay, but I am a firm believer that the machine is challenging, and guys need to make an adjustment in order to hit the ball. Um, I've, I, we didn't have the machine. We didn't do much machine work hitting in the fall, but we brought it out in the spring, and you can just see, I mean, how many runs did we score in the first four games? I mean, almost 40, correct? So I – we were, we were, yeah, we were hammering baseball. Yeah, I mean, we were bashing. Um, it's also credit to the yard. players that, that did make the adjustments and, you know, they were failing and they, they just, they pumped their chest and said, coach, I got this. Don't worry. And you, I'm just there to, you know, as a resource. And 
some guys like the machine, some some guys don't, but I think it's a beneficial tool to challenge a player and see consistent velocity over and over. Now, if you're going to, into a game where you know it's going to be a soft lefty throwing, you know, um, you know these these bloopy curveballs and sliders and changeups, then you might want to just go overhand. But if you're going to see a guy, you know, you're going to the World Series facing guys throwing 85, 87, yeah, you're going to crank the machine. And and uh, and obviously, you make a great point right there with the velocity. Is we can't really replicate that. Um, unless we put one of our pitchers up there, which isn't feasible to do every single day. So what would you say about uh, – and, and I think another reason we can do it is – Breaking balls. What do you is, say about using it for breaking balls? For us, for us, I think that was, that was beneficial. And guys, you know, competed against each other. They wanted to see a nasty breaking ball. Um, like you said, it's not, it's not the smartest thing in the world for your – your pitchers to overthrow just because our hitters need to see some breaking ball. We turn, we cranked the machine on, and we figured out the numbers it needs to be on to simulate a, a good breaking ball. Um, what also it, it teaches us as well is how how can our hitters adjust to the breaking ball instead of just feeding you know fastball they could time it up every single time, and that also gives you another element of one surprise. Um, and and an, ele- an element of how 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 can I compete against a breaking ball? What can I do with it? Um, it's you'd always you, you know you want to have guys be timed up on the fastball, but if if a, a pitcher breaks one off and you're you're off balance, you know you know you're you're walking back to the dugout striking out. But if if we give um, our guys a visual to see a consistent curveball of machine, they're not only are they going to adjust it in the batter's box, but you know, their eyesight, they, they have to concentrate on picking up a spin of the ball. Absolutely, man. That, that's, that's absolutely great stuff. And, and how like, and it's not just because of the machine, but all of our offensive numbers were up this year. Um, we were really seeing it. Well, we were having competitive at bats. Um, that's one thing that I always, at least from the pitching side of it is, man, when I know that I can't breathe one through nine, I know they're going to give me a tough competitive at bat every time. That makes it really, really tough on the pitcher. And I think that's the way our offense was going. And, man, and I give the machine a lot of credit. I give you a lot of credit. But I also give it our players' approach that you uh, kind of gave absolutely. them. Do you, you want know, to our dive approach, was, approach a little bit? You know, I gave them certain – I gave them certain things to focus on and it had nothing to do with mechanics was, did I, did I get into a good position to hit? Did I see the ball real well? And did I get battle? Now we're OO and we're one and we're hitters counts. I want some of these guys, I want our guys to lose it. I want them to be as aggressive as possible. Um, I want them to, to stay with their game and know what they can do well. You know, for instance, you know, our leadoff guy can hit the ball like leaving two feet, and that's his game. I'm not going to teach him how to hit the ball up in the air. So as in terms of a philosophy, um, I we let our players be athletes, but then it, it comes down to a two-strike approach and their competitiveness. Now, this was great because we, uh, we get to watch a lot of games at Mississippi State, and one of the things they did was when they got the two strikes, they'd look at their hitting coach and, you know, make a fist and pump um, – pump their chest letting the coach know we got your back so 
we kind of um, stole that. Let's say we stole it, but we do a cross with our arms, which means in sign language, it means go to war or fight. So we get the two strikes. Guys look at you. They look at me and they give us an X and they just go to work. So the competitive nature of the philosophy is probably the most important. And the second, um, second part of that is um, playing their game, knowing they do best, whether it's the hit and run or bunt and run or um, putting the ball to right field. So, there's, there's a freedom in our offensive approach. Now, do I want our nine-hole guy trying to put one over the fence? Absolutely not. We want him to get it on the ground or hit a low-line drive and make his way on base. And uh, you bring up a great point there. Is, and me and you have talked about this. Um, I know that uh, Coach Matt Deggs, who is at ULL now, uses a um, – system for this and actually Ole Miss does too because that guy worked for Matt Deggs at one point or worked with Matt Deggs at one point and he uses a system and we won't get too far into that but in his system he basically um gives the players an identity kind of what they he wants to see from them what they can do to help the team win um what their best role kind of is um would you recommend that I mean I know that at the smaller college levels, we can't do exactly what the Division One levels do because of time issues. But would you recommend being upfront, honest, and communicating with your players what their strengths and weaknesses 100%. are, and I think and how they are best? We we try to do that um, with our team, but you know we have an even kill group where you know for the most part, a lot of guys can do similar things. But I think as you as you you have a more dynamic group, a diverse group that you want them to do different things. And I think that's what makes a, a great lineup. Now at a professional level, all guys probably do the same thing except for, you know, the speedier guys like maybe uh, Dee Gordon and Billy Hamilton. But for the most part, everybody in the big leagues can jack one out or, you know, hit a double one necessary. But for, for the college level type of ball, I think, I think that's a great idea to give guys identity and, and tell them what they're here to do. And I think, if I was a player and a coach told me that, I would probably respect it and I would work at it day in and day out. So if they told me, you know, you're good for a couple of doubles, but we need you to just slap the ball around, I would have been fine with that and I would have I would have made that my game. I think being up front with the players is, is only doing um, a service for them. I think it's great. Now, on the other end, if you're lying to players, you're just doing a disservice to them. Absolutely. Uh, and, and to kind of feed off that, obviously we're talking about hitting here, but the same goes with pitching is, you know, some of our bullpen guys, you know, have a really good fastball that they can spot up on both sides of the plate in all quadrants of the zone, and they have a power breaking ball. And, and they're really focused on, Coach, I really want to get my change up. I really want to get my change up. And and, and what I have told them is, man, you're, you're a bullpen guy. I would rather you focus just – on making those two pitches the best that you can possibly make those two pitches. Don't worry. Like, would you rather have two great pitches or three average ones? And, and I'm in the um, boat of I want to pitch to our strengths, and I know that you're in the same boat that you want us to – you want your team to hit to your strengths. And and uh, that, that's something that you know that – Kind of, yeah, and uh, uh, and one thing too, I, I would sure. I want to ask about you know 
your 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 pitching identity, where your pitchers at. You introduced the plyo balls this year. Talk a little bit about how the plyo balls have actually helped your pitchers, man. I want to. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. You know, yeah. We can get into this at another time of. of, of no, 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 no. I'm going to get into the plyo balls now, but like, I'm not going to go one by one of every exercise we do because we don't do everything, but we, uh, you know, I love getting feedback from my players, you know, and, um, and man, they all love those things. Like, and, and we found different exercises. Um, your guys, uh, we've used your guy, um, Tom Atley's, um, stuff and man, they loved it. Um, they just say they, they feel like they're recovering at a lot faster of a pace. Um, cause, uh, they all go do certain exercises and I'll be glad to share with anybody who wants them uh, right after they pitch and right before they pitch, they do exercises to warm up and they have a different set of exercises to kind of um, cool off after they pitch. And man, our guys are like coach, man, in the past two or three days after I pitched 75, 80 pitches, I was still sore. And honestly, now I, I feel great. I'm ready. And uh, it's definitely been a great tool for us. Um, I would definitely recommend fundraising um, for uh, for plyo balls, but it's also very important that you know what you're doing if you're going to use them. Don't just buy them and just let the kids just do whatever they want with them. Find some exercises that have worked for other programs. Talk to programs who have used them because they can tell you the ins and outs yeah, of and them. I, and I, you know, and, uh, it can I can be see very, with very my own eyes how how guys how clearly guys recovered and. And they love the plow balls. Guys want to carry the bag. They want, they want to do those things. So that was that was great, man. It was good to see. Absolutely. So uh, I think I think we covered you, you know most of our, our thing. But, or, oh, one more or, thing. Um, when we were in the fall, I kind of instead of calling our guys hitters, I called them athletes because there was so much more to the offense than just hitting the baseball with running it had to do with bunting it had to do with competing at bats so once once we we got out of the face okay we're not hitters we're just athletes let's let's just be athletes let's um work with what we have work with the talents that we were given and you know hitting should be a byproduct but once we turn into you know you can walk you can uh you can get a catcher's interference and steal second steal third and score on a pop fly um i mean a sacrifice fly so we we turn Got the term hitters out of it, and we just, we called our, ourselves athletes. Yeah, that's a that's a great point there, um, and, and it's just another way of you kind of simplifying it for those guys. Uh, so, another question for you: um, What resources have you used to kind of help you grow as a coach? And uh, what resources, resources do you recommend number of for top, players? Top to resources: use? the ABCA. The ABCA has, you know, has opened a pathway to me just to learning anything and everything. Going to those conventions, I went to Dallas. I uh, went to my first one in Indianapolis, and <clears throat> we just went to Dallas. And then, um, where was this year? Oh, Nashville. We were there in Nashville this year. 
Um, it's great to communicate. It's great to connect. It's great to network. And um, another resource is where I actually did my first podcast was Major League University. Kind of goes into the, the mental side of baseball. That's with Austin Byler, um, MOU. That was a, a great resource. And um, I do not like to read, but I have read Wolfpack book by Matt Deggs. I read Grit by Andrew Duckworth. Duckworth, and I've also read um, Relentless by Tim Groper. Reading has also helped me, not just in the game, but actually how to think in terms of life, in terms of you know succeeding. So <clears throat> all resources are good, but you know top notch resources. I think almost all coaches can agree is the the ABCA. Absolutely, and um, I'm very similar to you in the fact that I absolutely hate reading. But to be honest with you, when when it comes to reading about oh, things that other sure. coaches have written, I don't really even consider it reading because it's so interesting. But but uh, I have also uh, read the pack. Absolutely great stuff there. Um, you know, uh, love that love what they do with that program and. Um, it's by Matt Deggs. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. If you're a baseball coach, softball coach, uh, player, whatever, I would highly recommend it. Go If you're a coach, go to the ABCA at some point, man. It will change your coaching life. Like, I mean, yeah, they talk a lot of mechanics, what they do in practices, all that kind of stuff. But that is really what opened my eye to some of the changes I've made in my coaching about path with, with being more – more relationship based and player based as opposed to just wins and losses. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, social media is a great way. If you, if you use the right people, man, uh, you, you can't have information overload and, and you don't want that. Um, but if you find people that you like, that keep it simple. Yeah, social media is a, is a big really part of learning. A lot of stuff using social like you said, media. You just have to be careful what you know, who's speaking and what information they're giving you. Just be careful. That but is that is a great source as well. And and, uh, and as far as players, you know, me and you have talked about this hours upon hours upon hours. I really think that the players in today's age are more skilled than even when me and you played, which was a short time ago and probably, and definitely more skilled than maybe 10, 20 years ago. But I think that we've kind of lost, uh, and this doesn't go for everybody. So don't take this the wrong way, but I think that in some ways the game is kind of higher in skill, but maybe has lost a little bit in the competitiveness because we have so much information and the guys, you know, I'll be honest, like I never hit in college, but if I got out, I never went back and was like, man, I have to change my swing. I never thought that way, but, and you've seen it. We've all seen it as guys have one bad day at the game at the park. And yeah, so they the mechanics, the mechanics take what, care what kind of advice the first couple players? of weeks of practice. Um, then once they understand what the mechanics, what needs to be done, then it's it's just you have to play. Um, I, I've stressed it a lot to the players I've had is sometimes it has nothing to do with mechanics. It's just you're just swinging at the wrong pitch or you just miss hit a ball. So this goes also back into the 
the one dimensional thing of of hitting in, in sports and in the nature of the game is that if you pop up a baseball, you don't want to go try and correct everything and next ball you kind of want to you know swing on top of it's it's ne- not necessarily that it's it's small things like hitting a different part of the baseball or you know adjusting your feet in the box it doesn't have to be going back to okay i need to drop my hands and dip my elbow and sh- swing open and swing here and listen to this guy so mechanics have sometimes mechanics have nothing to do with how your at bats go. It's all about how you think and all about how you swing and how prepared are you. So, so some advice for guys that, that think changes, not all that it's the, the, the day and it, it's the game of baseball. You're going to have off days. That's just the way it goes. It's just normal. And if you go over three, that's, that's okay. It's normal. It's going to happen. So, the mechanics and, and things like that happen preseason and off season, not during season. Yes, tweaks are going to be made in season, but you want to stay away from big tweaks as much as possible during the year. Yeah, and just to add to that is whether it's pitching, hitting, whatever. At some point, you're going to face some adversity. Whether it's in high school, college, if you're lucky enough to make it to pros, you're going to go through a slump. You're going to go through a time where maybe you're not pitching it as well as you would like. And, you know, it gets really uh, tempting to maybe say, man, are my mechanics right? But like like me and you always say, man, work on your mechanics. And you just said it the first few weeks of practice, when we get out on the game field, don't even think about mechanics. Just let it happen. Let it play. Let it fly. Yes, man. totally, man. That's, that was a, that was a big thing. No one, no one's gonna think about. Um, no one's gonna think about the the velocity your bat's going when you're actually at the plate or the height your hands need to be or what your back shin. No one thinks about that during the game. And if you are, you gotta you gotta step back and ask yourself, you know, what do I need to be thinking about during the game? Absolutely. So uh, one last uh, little piece before we uh, let you go is what what advice would you have for coaches, for people who aspire to be coaches? Um, the biggest thing, my advice to these the guys coming up in the coaching world is, is you have to have almost the relentless work ethic where you're going to have to work 10 plus hours a day. Um, you're going to face some adversity. You're going to have to face some challenges. But if you're really in the game for the right reason, um, it's all going to be rewarding. It's all going to pay off. And um, another thing is you always have to remember that it's always about the player. It's never about you, right? The success comes from the player, right? You don't want to take you know, credit for um, your team scoring this amount of runs or, or your pitching staff giving up uh, the least of, you know, having a low ERA. Uh, you don't want to credit the infield play. They only made two errors a season just because your coach helped. No, it's your players that are doing the thing, and you're always there for your players, and they're always first. You never want to overlook any type of player. Once once you're 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 doing that, you know you're in the game for the right reasons. Now, if you're if you're a coach, you just want to say you work for a big school or you work for uh, 
you work for the you know a pro organization just to say you do, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. But ultimately, you always have to understand that the players always come first. Absolutely, and and just to add to that is, um, I would say if you truly make it your coaching about making your players' experience the best it can possibly be, everything else will take – if you have the right people in your program, everything else will take care of itself, man. They'll work hard for you. Um, If they know know that you care about them and that you're there and you're willing to sacrifice whatever you got to do to make their experience the best it can possibly be, that, not, yes, not only will the wins, will and, and if you're if you're any kind of coach looking to advance, um, if you know a big program sees that you care about your players, they they want that guy to, to come work on a staff. They want that guy to teach their guys. They 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 believe in you. So ultimately, I think once you establish that the players are first, and you have a relentless work ethic, um, good things are going to happen. Now it may not happen overnight. It may not happen to two years, three years, four years, but at some point, if you keep knocking on the door and you keep working hard and you have that work ethic and your players are always first, things are good things are going to happen. For sure, man. And, and the, the other two things that I would add that I would give advice to coaches is learn as much as you can, but adapt it to your program. As much as uh, me and uh, uh, you love the pack and the stuff that they do, we can't do everything exactly like they do. We can't we can't take everything that we learn and do it exactly like those guys do because it won't necessarily work the same way here. We have to take what we learn. I agree, and that was uh, that was something I also learned from you. Is you that, that the the adaptation factors. Um, the the cards you're dealt with, you got to make it work. You got to make it work for your program, and that was great. Especially you know with the pitching staff, um, you know we there was not nobody was throwing you know 95, but we have some guys that throw hard enough with some good stuff, and and you incorporated what you knew, and then you learned some things about um, different types of pitches and pitchers. So that was that was something I also incorporated a lot with the hitters and and with the infielders. And the the last piece of advice that I would give coaches is make this as simple as possible, man. It's already such a hard game. The kids are already, you know, that though you're going to get frustrated at times, you know, it's a very, very hard game. As I heard, um, I can't remember his name, but there was a, a guy that spoke at the ABCA this year, and he said a good coach isn't a guy who says 5,000 things one time. A good coach is a guy that says one thing 5,000 times. And that really stuck with me is understand what you and your program want to be about and preach that over and over and over and over. And it's going to stick with the players where, you know, you might sound smart by saying all this other stuff um, throughout practice and games. But, you know, if you say 5,000 things one time, I just, I don't think the players are going to get it as opposed to, if you keep it simple um, 
and you say it yes, over and over. Absolutely. And over. That, Players that comes really to like an um, example I, I kind of have is um, I live by like two, two, two kind of phrases. It's, it's you never know and keep going. And I, I repeat that to myself almost every day. And I think that has ultimately helped me. That's, if, you know, if I go to a player and I give them all these quotes and different, you know, different sayings, it's just going to be confusing. But if you have those, those two staple things, like it, for myself is you never know and you, you keep going, um, that's going to help. But I, I think that's the same way for the game of baseball. And I say, turn your hips a billion times, it's going to click. Now, if I keep telling you about, uh, if I keep using all these different terms and phrases, it's never going to click. But if I keep saying, turn your hip, turn your hip, turn your hip, it's eventually it's going to click. And, and I'm sure that's the same way with you, your style. No doubt, man. Well, well, I, I've had a great time on this podcast. I've, I've definitely learned a lot from you, and I admire your energy that you bring to the game, your passion for the kids, um, wanting to help them grow as men, as baseball players. Um, and you're, you're really an inspiration to me. And I, I appreciate that, you having me, man. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad we about, get to do uh, this. And, what you're about, um, you know, thanks for those kind words. They, they truly mean a lot, and I'm going to take it forward, but – I've also learned a lot from you, and I've also learned that you're you're a class act guy, and you're you're easy to get along with. And you know, one thing I, I did notice is how you care for the other athletic programs at the W. I think that's going to go a long way when when you you know your next coaching job or or administrative job, whatever you're going to be doing, man. I think that is an underrated uh, underrated I, I guess attribute is how you care for even the other sports in the program. Man, I appreciate the kind words, and I can't wait to have you on. Sounds again good. At some point, appreciate talk, it, Coach. Uh, about base running and uh, defense. See ya. Man. All right, man. See ya. That was our first edition of Coach's Corner with Cody. Also, we uh, hope you enjoyed it, and 